might want to take your outlines out. Today we're doing a, actually part two of a little mini-series we started a week ago as we were going through Hebrews chapter 11, and we're asking the question, what can God do through you? And from Hebrews 11, we're really focusing in on three of the Bible characters, three men of God. Last week, we looked at who? Moses. And we said, arguably, Moses was the greatest man in the entire Old Testament. And the point that I really wanted you to walk away with was this. God chose Moses as a baby, but Moses had to choose God as an adult, right? And the same is true of us. God has called all of us through His Spirit through His Word, through praying mothers and fathers. We've been called since birth, but we've got to choose God as adults when we're old enough to know the difference, right? Today we're looking at Noah. Noah, that ark builder. And then next time we get together, we're going to look at Samson. So today I want to ask the question, what type of person does God use? God uses ordinary people in extraordinary ways for His glory. You know, most people think that God only uses super Christians. And since I'm just an ordinary Christian, God can't use me. Or maybe He uses preachers, uh, and you're thinking, I'm not a preacher, I don't even have a preaching degree in ministry. But let's not forget, the apostles did not have any education, and no formal theological training, right? But God uses people to do extraordinary things if, and this is the big if, they make themselves available. That's the key, making yourself available. Look at Hebrews eleven seven. Here's that Hebrew Hall of Fame passage that focuses in on Noah's life by faith, and that's the key. Everything you do in life, to get usable, you've got to start with faith. Faith in who? Yourself? No. You look at yourself, you're going to fail. But faith in God. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen. What things do you think Jesus or God had in mind when He talked to Noah? He comes to Noah and He says, I want to show you something. Nobody's ever seen this before. What do you think He was talking about? The flood, right? The end of Noah's world was about to come to an end. I don't know if he just gave him a word picture, a mental picture. Maybe he just implanted what that would look like in his mind. Maybe he showed him a DVD. I don't know. But I know he got the message. Because look at the result of finding out the message and seeing something that hadn't been seen before. Holy fear! Do you see that? He saw what was unseen... And believed it. How do I know? Because in holy fear, built an ark. How do you build an ark? You build it in holy fear. And you build it by faith, believing that God means business. You build an ark by taking out a hammer and a saw and some gopher wood and some nails and some pitch and putting it together. And you put one door in it and you put one window in it and you build it according to the specs that God has given you. That's building an ark by faith. But it starts by seeing what is unseen, that takes faith, faith in God, leading you to holy fear, which leads you to build an ark to do what? Save your family. How many of you want your family saved? Can I see your hand? 
All right. You need, to, you need to see what's unseen. If you could see hell, you know what you guys would be doing in holy fear? Getting your family to come to Christ. Getting them in the church because the church is really a type of what? The ark. Who's going to be saved? Those in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you're in what? His church. And Jesus is coming back again one day for what? His bride. What's another name for the bride? His church. The church is your safety. Escape hatch to get to the next life. The church is your ark, if you will. And Holy Fear built an ark to save his family and by faith condemn the world. What world? His world. And man, let me tell you, it was only ten generations from Adam to Noah. Did you know that? In that short a time, about a little under 1,100 years, the world had already gotten so wicked that the people only thought evil all the time. It was one ungodly place. You've got celestial beings having uh, sexual relationships with women and Nephilim are born. Giants were in the land. Evil everywhere. Every thought of everyone's mind was only evil all the time. What a short period of time for the world to get corrupt. Well, was Noah a product of his day? (laughs) I'm pretty sure he was. Was Noah a perfect man? No, we're going to see his life didn't end all that well. He was caught up in it, I'm sure. Just as if today the church is kind of a product of our environment. Uh, There's not a whole lot of difference between the church and the world. And it's getting less and less and less. I've noticed that. I became a believer when I was 12 years old. And the church had its faults, believe me. But you know what? You saw more of a moral distinction between the church and the world. More than you see today. And Noah's day, it was probably the same for Noah. Noah was a man of faith. became a righteous man. God showed his favor on him. But do you remember growing up in the days of Leave it to Beaver and Ozzie and Harriet and Father Knows Best and you remember what it was like. The censor says, it just doesn't seem right to have one bed in mom and dad's bedroom, so let's put two. And every, I don't know, every boy in America thought like I did, but I thought my parents are weird. They sleep in one bed. Why did they do that? The censors thought that was a little too risque. Could you imagine taking somebody from the early 60s and bringing them to 2017 and turn it on the television and say, watch this, family entertainment. <laughs> They'd be taking their kids and going, oh, don't look at this. Why? That's, and we, today we think nothing of it. It's just television. Why? We've been affected by our culture, haven't we? See, the devil is so clever. The, the, Paul will say the devil's got schemes. He's got plans to mess us up. And one of the schemes of the devil is a little thing called gradualism. He doesn't want you to go from 1962 to 2017 instantly and see the change. He wants to gradually, increment by increment, get you to the point where we are today that what used to make us blush no longer makes us blush. We are a product of our time. I'm sure Noah was a product of his time. He wasn't really any better than those people. He was a sinner like the rest of us. And yet God brought favor into his life, 
and said, I'm going to save you, and if you do what I tell you, we'll, we'll condemn this world together and we'll start afresh, and became the heir of righteousness that comes through faith. Why did God choose Noah? If you were God, what kind of person would you choose to start the human race again? Would you choose you? Why Noah? Well, I think 1 Chronicles 16.9 gives us a little insight into why he chose Noah. It says, The eyes of the Lord range through the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And so God's eyes are looking down on earth for open and receptive hearts. Does that describe you? If your heart is open to God, you say, well, God, I don't have really that great abilities. I'm really not that smart. But if you want to use me, I'm here to be used. Then you can be used by God. Who does God use? People, number one. Who does God use? Look on the screen. People who are available, number one. Are you available? See, most of us are so busy and we're caught up in doing our own thing and this, that, and the other. God couldn't use us even if we wanted him to because we're just too busy. Genesis 6 verse 5 says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man. Can our sins grieve God? My Bible says it can. And his heart was filled with pain. We can cause God to have a painful heart. Yes, we can. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. But, oh, thank God for the butts in the Bible. I love talking about the butts in the Bible. And you know, whenever I talk about the butts in the Bible, I always go back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. With the fall of man, woman was deceived. She got her husband into the act. They ate of the forbidden fruit. And then God delves out the discipline, the punishment. And at that time, serpents probably walked a wreck. And God says, no more. You're going to crawl on your belly. But here's one more thing coming your way, Satan. And he's talking directly to Satan. See this woman here? She's going to have pain in childbirth. But one of these days, a child is going to be born from the seed of woman. You don't know who he is. Satan's not omniscient, he's not omnipresent, he doesn't know everything there is to know, and can't be everywhere at the same time. But he knows one day, the seed of woman's going to crush your head. And so, what would you do if you were Satan? You don't know how soon this is going to take place, but if Adam and Eve had two boys, one named Cain, one named Abel, what would you try to do? Wouldn't you try to create a little rivalry between those two boys? And sure enough, that happened. And Cain ends up becoming the first murderer and murders murders his brother Abel. And the devil laughs. Because, you know, the godly seed line that is going to produce a child to crush his head is not coming through Cain. You can bet on that. But God replaced Abel by giving Adam and Eve another son. Do you remember his name? Seth. And the seed line carried on. And you can trace Jesus' seed line throughout the Bible over and over again. It sometimes gets down to one person. One person, but God, intervenes. There was a wicked guy named Haman. You ever wonder what the book of Esther was doing in the Bible? 
You know, the name God is never mentioned one time in the whole book of Esther. You're saying, what's the use of this book? It's very useful. Satan is working through a wicked man named Haman. And he has King Xerxes write a law on the Medes and the Persians that on the 13th day of the 12th month, Adar, every Jew on the planet would be wiped out. But God raised up a beautiful woman named what? Esther. Became the queen of the world. And she arose for just such a time as what? This. But God, but God. Okay, what are we looking at here? But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Ooh, I love that. You see that word favor? You know what it means? It's the word we would use today for grace. God extended his favor, his grace, on Noah. Was Noah a sinner? You bet. Was he a product of his generation? Absolutely. Did he receive God's grace? You bet he did. God just says, I'm choosing you. I've looked all around. I know that if I put my grace in you, you got the kind of heart that will make a difference. I'm going to use you, Noah. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Look up on the screen. In God's eyes, availability is more important than ability. Attitude is more important than aptitude. You know what most of us do? We use our aptitude as an excuse. Oh, God can never use me. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not crafty enough. I'm not skilled enough. Uh, Let him use somebody else. Now, most of the time, it's just simply being available, folks. God wants to reach people through you, but you've got to make yourself available to God. I've told you this story before. It's, it's about Tony Campolo. Not this Tony, but another Tony. He was a preacher. And he was preaching, or not preaching, he, he, he was invited to speak at one of the universities someplace in Pennsylvania to the student body. And uh, he accepted the invitation to go. And uh, a group of Christian brothers got him behind the the curtain before the curtains were open said, let's get you prayed up. And they had a little prayer for him. And they said, God bless Tony tonight. Help him do a great job and help the students' hearts to be open and receptive to his message. And then kind of off the cuff, the guy that was leading the prayer said, oh, and God, Bert Harris. Bert Harris needs you right now. Bert Harris, you know, Lord, the guy that lives on the corner of the campus in that yellow trailer, he, he's thinking about leaving his wife and his family. And then kind of went on with his prayer, and and that was that. Well, Tony spoke that evening, did a wonderful job, and, you know, said all his goodbyes, hopped in his car, and was heading out of town to go back home. Had a pretty long drive ahead of him. And on his way out of town, he saw a hitchhiker. And he thought, well, you know, I'll pick him up, and captive audience, I'll share the gospel with this guy. See how he's making himself available? So he pulls over, and Guy hops in. Tony said, my name is Tony Campolo. Shakes his hand. He says, my name's Bert Harris. Bingo. He'd recognize that name. Remember the prayer earlier? And he whipped that car around and started going back into town. <laughs> and Bert goes, what are you doing? I want to go that way. He goes, I know you do, but I'm taking you back to your wife and your family that you're trying to leave. And he said, the guy just went white. 
He didn't say another word till he pulled right into his uh, mobile home park. He said, how would you know where I lived? He said, God told me. <laughs> and in a way, God had, right? And he said, we went into the house, and God that night restored their marriage. Ooh, don't you love that story? That's not a preacher story. That actually happened. But what if Tony would have said, you know what, I... I've worked hard all day. I've traveled all the way to this university. I've got a long trip ahead of me. It's already nighttime. It's dark. And I just want to get home in between the lily whites and get some rest. I'm not going to pick up that, that stranger by the road. I'm not, going to, oh, I'm not going to go back and get into it with his wife and not try to work that. No, he made himself available, didn't he? That's it. Most of the time, making yourself available is the key. What doesn't God use me like that? That's a pretty cool story. Make yourself available. He'll wear you out. He will. See, God doesn't need superstars. He needs ordinary people who are willing to be used by Him. Number two. These next points won't be that long, right? Just a lot of things came to my mind. Number two, dare to be different. Who does God use? He uses people who dare to be different. In Genesis 6, verse 9, it says Noah was a righteous man, and he was blameless. Blameless does not mean perfect. Blameless just means he was different. He was different from his culture. He was different from his world. He was different among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Morally, Noah was not afraid to stand out. Most of the time, Christians are. And that should never, ever be. Noah's world was morally bankrupt, and yet Noah stayed righteous. Once he got the word, once he got the call, once he saw what was unseen, in holy fear, he stayed right on target with God. In America, we have a tendency, though, to think that if everybody else is doing it, that it must be okay. You know, if everybody else is living together before they get married, well, why shouldn't we? Let's, you know, try the shoe on before we decide to buy it or not. The only problem is, I got a book that says, don't do that. But the world standard is way down here. Only evil, all the time. My book elevates the standard. It says, here's God's plan for marriage. And speaking of God's plan for marriage, it should be between one man and one woman. You remember Adam and Eve? And today we live in a land where the law says same-sex marriage is okay with me. Okay with the law. And yet I got a book that says, I don't, you know, who's got the higher law? Man's law or God's law? Which one are you going to follow? Oh, I, I just don't speak up on that because I just don't want to get into political things. Wait a second. If you're going to be used by God, you've got to speak up. You, who, whose law are you going to follow? An abortion? Are you kidding me? 4,000 innocent babies are sacrificed on the altar of Satan every day through abortion. And I, I, I call it what it is. I mean, if you go back to the Old Testament and you read um, about um, idol worship, Moloch, they were sacrificing their babies to Satan. America's got blood on its hands. 4,000 today, 4,000 tomorrow, and 4,000 the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that, every day. And America's going to pay a high price for that. I don't know when it's coming. 
I don't know when the price, I don't know when God's going to drop the hammer, but he's going to say enough blood sacrifice here. These innocent ones. I read in Russia, Vladimir Putin has written into law that the state government will no longer pay for abortions and it's illegal to advertise abortions in Russia. And in America, we give up babies wholesale. Mm. In America, we think if it's it's not against the law, it must be okay. Not necessarily. Whose law are you listening to? Noah didn't think that way. Yeah, but if I start talking about this stuff, I'm going to receive some criticism, and who wants to put up with that? You don't think Noah put up with some criticism? Here he is building this big old monstrosity out in the front yard, and the neighbor, the curiosity seekers come by. Hey, Noah, what you doing up there? I'm building an ark. What's an ark? It's like this big boat thing. What do you need a big boat thing for? It's going to rain. What's rain? Remember, they lived in the antediluvian world. It had never rained before. And, uh, you know, that he was mocked. He had to have been laughed at. I'm sure Noah's kids, he had, he had one that was about 98 years old, already had a wife, but the other were kind of younger. You can just imagine. I think one was about 16 when they were building the ark. And I can just imagine them coming home from school. Dad, what are you doing? It is so embarrassing. Do you really have to build that thing in the front yard? Did I? Really, Dad? I mean, we can't even get the car out of the garage. And, and can't you just get a normal job like the other dads in the neighborhood? Why do you got to build this thing? Well, kids, if you saw what I saw, if you heard what I heard from God, in holy fear, I want to save you guys. And I want you on board. I need your help. We need to get this job done. He, he, he got some criticism too, but he spoke up. He dared to be different in his day. Number three, who does God use? He uses people who follow him completely without question, without excuses. Um, Look at Genesis 6. It says, Noah did everything. One door, one window, gopher wood. And when the time to get in came, he got in, took his family with him. And Genesis 7 says he did it all. Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. He didn't leave anything out. He didn't hold back. Lived in a wicked world. The environment was much worse than our day. And yet, he stayed faithful to God. And really, that, isn't that what obedience is? Isn't obedience just another word for faith? Look at this. Here, here's a good definition of faith. Are we frozen? Here we go. Faith is following God's instructions even when it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense to build an ark in the middle of a desert, if you will. I don't know what the landscape was like, but there's no lake, there's no river, there's no rain. It just doesn't make sense. And yet he did it anyway. Genesis chapter 2, verse 6 says that streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. God had a sprinkler system or irrigation system built into this planet before 
it looks like look like our planet today. See, I think we human beings are so egocentric. It's just a big fancy word that means uh, we kind of think we're the center of the universe and things have always been the way that we know them to be. No, this planet was very different when God created it. How do I know that? Because God is perfect and God only creates perfect things, right? And what did he create? A perfect world. Is our world perfect? No, we got earthquakes and hurricanes and pestilence and volcanoes and it's not perfect, okay? Their world was perfect. Two perfect human beings. Before the fall, things went well. After the fall, things went downhill. Picture a firmament. What is a firmament? God divided the waters above from the waters below. You're familiar with Saturn's rings? Picture the antediluvian world, before the flood world. Here's the earth, our big round ball. Now picture outside that ball, in the atmosphere, jillions and jillions and jillions of water molecules. And when the sun shines down on our planet, that probably didn't have seasons back then. You didn't have winter, spring, summer, or fall. Why? You had a perfect environment. When I came in here this morning, someone said, it's kind of cold in here. I said, my AC guy's not here yet, so I'll get someone else to fix it for you. And they turned the heater on. If you were living back in Noah's day and they had a radio report and you were listening to the weather, high of 71 tonight, low of 71. Tomorrow, 71 and 71. I mean, just perfect conditions, right? Why? This firmament. And and the lifespan? Hundreds of years old. Noah is well over 800 years old by the time he dies. You know who the oldest man that ever lived was? This dude named Methuselah. 969 years old. He lived... In the days and right up to the flood. You know what Methuselah means? It means when he dies, it ends. The world comes to an end. That's what his name means. And when he died, God says, Noah, get your family, get the count, get in the ark. This firmament screened out the sun's harmful ultraviolet rays that cause us our skin to crack and to, to blister and get sunburn and our automobiles to rust. And it slows the aging process way, way down. After the flood, you're going to read about seasons, winter, spring. You'll read, this is the planting season, this is the harvest season. What are you talking about? Why Why are you telling me that, God? You know, well, Noah, you live in a different world now. It's just a different place. And And that's much more the world that we now are accustomed to. But the perfect world was way, way better than what we now see. But that's the high cost and the effect of sin. So who does God use? People that are available, that dare to be different and follow him completely. But one more and we'll close with this. God uses people who never give up. People who never give up. Moses, we looked at last week, he led the exodus And then the children of Israel and 40 years in the wilderness. It took 80 years for Moses to fulfill his dream of leading the people of God to the promised land. Noah, perhaps, maybe some people get that from this verse. I'm not so sure that I do. Let's just say that it took 120 years for the ark 
to be prepared and before the flood came. Um, Genesis 6, 3 says, Then God said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be a hundred and twenty years. Could you maintain your enthusiasm for one project for a hundred and twenty years, every day of your life, getting up, going to bed, going to work, coming home, going to bed, same thing, same thing, same thing. Your wife comes out, No, our lunch is ready. Here it is. I'm going to send it up. Get the pulley over here. How's it going today working on the ark? I am bored. I am tired. I hate working on this ark. Right? You do the same thing day in and day out. And, uh, you know, I'm getting down toward the end. Now I've got to get that pitch out. Oh, pitch is smelly. It's dirty. I'm going to come home greasy at night. Ah. Oh. Why could, you know, honey, I was just thinking, get my 500 years in, get my gold watch and retire and watch the boys grow up and the grandkids, raise grandkids. You know, just enjoy that last 300 and some odd years of my life. <laughs> right? Ah, oh, God's got me out here doing this. He never gave up. I love this guy. You know, one of the reasons that God doesn't use people is they give up too soon. You know, God gives them a job to do, and at the first sign of problems, at the first sign of pressure, people quit. And they give up. Well, how do I get usable? Four quick things. Number one, make yourself available. And that's really what today's message is all about. Make yourself available. Now, that may mean rearranging your schedule. That may mean dropping some things from your life. Some of you are so busy, you can't serve God. Getting usable means being available. Number two, dare to be different. Say, Lord, I'm willing to follow you no matter what. I may receive criticism. I may be made fun of. But you know what, God? If you call me to do this, I'm going to do it no matter what. I will dare to be different. Number three, Commit yourself to following God's plan completely, even when you don't understand it fully. Noah didn't know anything about rain, but he believed God. And then number four, never give up even when there's a delay. Now, I'm getting to the part of the message that I don't want to get to. There's a little epilogue in Genesis chapter 9 to this story about Noah And I wish that it wasn't there. This righteous man's life didn't end well. And there's a warning here to all of us. Even godly people can be tripped up. He completed his job, but I don't know what it was like to to wipe out all your friends, all your neighbors, and then live through that... And who knows, Noah probably had other family members that did not believe. And they're all gone. After the flood, Noah planted a vineyard. He fermented some grapes, and he got drunk, and he got naked, and he made a fool of himself. Why mention that? I didn't have to mention that today, did I? I could have just left you with this great image in your mind of Noah. And maybe you didn't know this part of the story. Well, I mention it because the Bible mentions it. I got to mention it. I wish it wasn't there, but it's got to be mentioned because the Bible, why does the Bible mention it? Could the Bible have left that out? No. 
Because the Bible always speaks the truth. Even when it hurts. The Bible never glosses over its heroes. You know, we talked about Moses last week. He's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, right along with Noah. A great man in the Old Testament, he was a murderer. He was a man that had anger issues. David, man after God's own heart, right? But what do you name two things about David that weren't real good? The guy was an adulterer and a murderer. But God used him. And Noah was a righteous man. Never think otherwise. My Bible says he was righteous. In Hebrews chapter 11, that was long after he got drunk and naked and played the fool. Still called him a righteous man. Here's the point. If God could use Noah, he can use you. You seen that? If God could use Noah, he can use you. I don't care what your mistakes have been, how many times you've fallen, you're never a failure until you quit. You're never a failure until you refuse to get back up. Maybe you've had a divorce in your life. Maybe you've had several divorces in your life. Maybe you've had a moral problem. Maybe there's a habit you're struggling with. Maybe you've got a temper like uh, Moses. Maybe you have jealousy issues. Maybe you have inferiority complex issues. I don't care what your hurt, your habit, your hang-up is. It doesn't disqualify you from being used by God. Amen? I just wonder if you heard that. Some of you heard it, but you're going, mm. It's true. One last slide and we're done. Okay? One last slide and we're going to pray. And I, I close with a question. If God only used perfect people, who would he use? Get it? Let's pray. Would you make four commitments this morning in your heart? Would you just say, God, right here and now, I want to be available to you. Use me. And that may mean rearranging your schedule somewhat, cutting maybe some things out so you can be usable. And number two, maybe you say, God, I I need some intestinal fortitude. I, I need to dare to be different. Help me to make a stand for you. And still others may need to say, Lord, help me to follow you completely, even when I don't understand it, even when it doesn't make sense. And Lord, help me to be a persistent person and not be a cop-out and a drop-out, but to keep on keeping on and never giving up. Fulfill your purpose in me, God. See, Noah walked with God and so can you. If you've never had a relationship with God, you can have one today. If you realize you're a sinner, you've broken His commandments, just ask Him to forgive you and receive His forgiveness. And then put Him on in baptism. That's it. Just that simple. Father, thank You for the example of Noah. Thank You that it is just as true today that You use people who are available, who dare to be different, who follow You completely, and who never give up. May cross point. Be that kind of church. In Jesus' name, amen.